and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, February 9th. This is episode number 136. I am your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Good, Rod. How are things going there? Uh, good. You know, the snow's melting. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, it's hit, hitting the 40s the last couple of days, so yeah, we, almost we, feels like a heat wave. Yeah, we hit we hit 50, so I was out um, actually shoveling the ice off my driveway in a sweatshirt, so yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Pretty I was nice, actually so. planning some some vacations for for later this year to some warm climbs today, just to get in the right mindset. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't make it out anywhere. If I did, I'm sure I would have seen a lot of people in shorts. <laughs> That's what happens. Uh, joining Could us, uh, yeah, joining us today is is our guest Kevin McAndrews. Uh, follow him at Big Kevin Sports. Kevin, how are things going? Hey Rod. Hey Jeff. Half in the morning too. How are you guys this evening? All right, doing doing great, doing great. We appreciate you uh, appreciate you stopping by and and uh, and uh, talking some Browns and some football with us. Absolutely, I'm a big fan of your guys's. Uh, was happy enough uh, yesterday. Shout out to the uh, the Yard Dog podcast, and uh, they told me to uh, send you a message, Rob, and uh, I already. I already saw like our uh, history chatting and we go way back from when you uh, first started off on Twitter. So I was like, Oh, I know him. Cause you <laughs> know, when they, when they say the actual name, it doesn't come together, you know, for like a username, like an app mention. That's a weird thing about the Twitter, you know, like it, it says on top, it'll be like Kevin McAndrews. And then it's at, and then that name. So when they did the at name, that's why I didn't recognize you at first, but I've been following you guys for a while, and it's a uh, it's an honor to be on. So let's get this so thing going. You, so you and I interacted way way back. Is that right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay. I have it. Uh, I have this uh, thing where I just have my messages, uh, my Twitter messages, and I just don't delete them. And I don't know why that is. Maybe I'm just lazy, but uh, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, we talked a while back. <laughs> I, I don't delete them that often either, but yeah, but they kind of pile up sometimes. It's hard to find them, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So. Oh, I, I went deep. I went deep to find our uh, conversation. We both just introduced each other when you first came on and I was like, uh, we connected right away and uh, we've both been following each other since you first came on. So uh, really good to be talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Well, well, um, we don't, we don't get fans of the show on very often. Right, Jeff? So um well i think we've had all three of them already all three yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate that kevin and uh it's, it's great to be talking to you and um and uh shout out to, to the yard dogs jason um jason and uh i forget his co-host name Mike because McKee. i yeah because i i don't um um i haven't uh honestly met or talked to him but jason jason uh jeff and i both met jason he's a great guy um you know keep in touch and talk with jason a lot and um definitely definitely great great guy great guys so um so uh definitely another podcast to check out so um we appreciate we appreciate the referral glad we could reconnect with you and we're looking forward to to uh talk to you tonight so um we're going we're going to jump in here guys um before before we do the football we're going to talk about what we're drinking and we call that our blitz beverages Kevin, you're the guest. 
we're going to let you go first. And why don't you tell us about uh, about what you're drinking tonight? Okay, tonight on tap we have a uh, classic Guinness. Uh, little background: uh, I was born in Achill, Mayo, Republic of Ireland, and my last name Mc McAndrews, who's Americanized, is actually McAndrews. Uh, when you go across the pond there, it's the uh, western part of Ireland, and uh, nice stout Guinness, and it is good. And it's not a stereotype. I was gonna have it before I was born there. So <laughs> nice. So is that is that your beverage of choice? Do you drink a lot of Guinness, or do you mix it up, or or what do you mm -hmm. usually do? Once once it gets to this winter slash uh, spring time with uh, St. Patty's Day. Uh, on the 17th of uh, March, uh, right around this period. And then I just uh, lay off it. You know, once brown season comes around, you're not going to catch me down there in the uh, Muni lot uh, uh, drinking Guinness like a, like a psychopath, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it hits a little different than the Bud Light, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's a different, it's a different type. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's hard to explain because I, I grew up on it when – Actually, the legal age over there is uh, uh, 16, but uh, I remember when I first would go up to uh, the spot, uh, M MP Lionettes, which is a uh, bar that my uh, my grandfather uh, owned, and now his, his son, my uncle, uh, currently owns, and it's over there. It's M.P.Lionettes. Lynette's. It's hard. It's hard to pronounce it. That's how you can pronounce it for you to go and spell it. But um, still there. I have. I have my great grandfather, my great great grandfather. All their pictures are on the walls and stuff. So yeah, that is uh, a tribute to me drinking this right now. <laughs> Excellent. And we're we're trying to picture this bar, and I'm sure it's way cooler than we can even imagine. Way more historic oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and everything. So. Oh yeah, there, there's a big back, there's a long background to it. I'll definitely uh, send you guys a link. It's it's really really cool. Excellent, excellent. So so Jeff, what uh, what are you partaking in tonight? Well, in honor of our guest and keeping with the theme, um, I'm sipping on some Bailey's Irish Cream tonight, um, and I'm going to chase that with a tall Lake Erie highball. Ah, Solange, that's how we say uh, cheers in, in <laughs> Ireland. That's what you say. It's spelled out, though, for the Americanized version. It's Salante, but it's Solange. Ah, and then for any of your guys' backgrounds, Vikings out there, Skull, uh, Italian, <laughs> Salud, Salud. <laughs> <laughs> and the regular cheers for uh, you Irish folk, or you American folk. Yeah, yeah. This may be the most educational Bliss Beverage segment we've ever done. Oh, I, I got a good knock to the head uh, <laughs> with the uh, weather that's been going on. And uh, right before we broadcast, you guys saw my nose. It's all cut up. And uh, actually, earlier this week, it was funny. I went on the uh, another shout out, but they don't need it. It's the uh, Big Play uh, Reflog Show. You guys have heard of them. And uh, uh, the first question they asked me what was who the Cavaliers just acquired 
and I couldn't think of the name, and then I embarrassed myself, but they gave it to me. It was for a trivia uh, award thing. And then the last question, uh, and it was Cavaliers things, which isn't my expertise. I'm more of a Browns person. But then again, excuse me, with my uh, memories and stuff, uh, I, I, I go back and just, I remember all the seasons. But anyway, the last question was the Spurs guy uh, who went to the Spurs, who was in the second round, who won two championships. And I said right away, Shannon Brown, and that was incorrect. It was Danny Green, uh, not the Danny Green who uh, uh, the Irishman who <laughs> ran the uh, Cleveland, the Cleveland uh, mob, but it was uh, the basketball player. And I said Shannon Brown, who won two championships at the Lakers, but I ran, I ran it off right away, and I was incorrect. So I fell up short, and uh, no Canadian Labat Blue for me. Was, was this before or after you fell and hit your head? The uh, day after. Day after? Well, you had an excuse then. I mean, heck, yeah, that explains a lot. I mean, yeah, <laughs> shoot. I mean, you would have been, they, they uh, you may have been a lot sharper, you know? They didn't take it that way. They, they, uh, <laughs> they, they laughed really hard. I think uh, my good friend Nick Tone said, this is the hardest I've ever laughed with a, uh, somebody calling in. But yeah, <laughs> shout out to those guys. They had a great guest. The, uh, uh, Spanish-speaking announcer for the Cavaliers, so it was a really good time over there. Yeah, yeah, those are good guys. Nice. I know all those guys. So yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, drink? guys. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I am drinking a uh, I am drinking a Boulevard sixth glass. I'm going completely opposite of the theme that you guys already established. If I would have mm. thought about it, I would have tried to find something Irish, but I didn't. <laughs> so um, this is a uh, it's a Belgian quadruple. And it is, uh, let's see, 10.2% alcohol. It, it's a very good beer. If you guys haven't had anything from Boulevard, Boulevard is, I think it's out of St. Louis. And it's um, excellent stuff, pretty much anything by Boulevard. And uh, this is one of their finest. Um, it's, got, uh, it's got a lot of flavor. So if you're, uh, if you're you know, averse to a strong flavored beer, you probably won't like this. If you like a little bit extra flavor, then give this a shot if you can find it. But I, I don't think, I think this is kind of a beer that's hard to find. So anyways, I thought it was uh, going to be a fun night. So I got a little something special out. Yeah, 10%. <laughs> you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to wrap up the Blitz Beverages, and that was quite a segment. Uh, it's going to be hard to top, but I think we can do it. So, uh, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, we're going to we're going to give you the floor and let you talk about your Browns fandom and how you became a fan and and uh, some highlights and anything you like to share with us. Sure, sure. Well, my uh, Browns background. My uh, dad born in. Uh, Cleveland area, and uh, we moved back here in uh, the late 90s, right around when the uh, Browns were coming back. Uh, when I was four years old, the uh, Cleveland Browns didn't exist. Uh, they had they had moved on, and uh, that was that kind of full circle. That's where I. Where I am, where I am now, you know, that's a big thing in a childhood that, you know, traumatizing that your, your team just never existed. And, uh, I've, I've been following them since that first year they kicked it off with, uh, couch and, uh, the great Phil Dawson, who, uh, 
is the little trivia for you guys is the second longest uh, NFL player to play in the league right behind Adam Vinatieri. At Vinatieri, he was there for the Browns opening season. So, uh, and uh, they as rookies were competing for a job on the Patriots and Phil Dawson fell short because he had an injury and the Browns picked him up. So that's, that's a side hmm. note there. Uh, I, uh, I, I grew up living in Lakewood. Uh, I'm a part of the Chase Brown Browns backers. Uh, have been my whole life. We just became official a couple of years ago. Uh, Chase Avenue. Uh, it is, I, I lived right on Bunce road and uh, I would go down the street to the, uh, to St. Luke's, which is now that school is uh, Lakewood Catholic Academy, if people listening are familiar with that area. But we would always go back there and play catch, and I would be either Kevin Johnson or then uh, throughout the years, or I'd be uh, Kellen Winslow, be Quincy Morgan. Uh, <laughs> I have my Jeff Garcia jersey on. I, re- I mean, I remember them all. You know? Just don't say Braylon Edwards. No, I would never. He went, he went <laughs> to that team up north. No. And Charlie Fry threw a dime to him 60 yards when he had no one around him. And uh, he played for the University of Akron, Charlie Fry did. And he was one of my heroes growing up. I ended up playing for Akron, uh, class of 2017, Akron football, uh, with the big hire, Joe Moorhead. But, uh, yeah, Charlie Fry threw it a perfect pass, 60 yards. It was only the preseason, and no one was within 20 yards of Braylon, and he dropped it. I'll, de- I'll send you guys the clip. It, I, I mean, that had to be – might have been – I would say that was 2004 or 2005, and uh, that was my first experience of a blackout rage when I was just uh, 12 years old. So that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just I've been a fan and they've won one playoff game and they've never been on top. They haven't won a division yet in my lifetime, but um I I love them all the same. Uh going downtown to the Muni lot, uh going to various Brownsbackers organizations and uh I, I mean, I just I just love this team. I've memorized every player, regardless if they were great or they were bad. Uh, love that kid from uh, Ashland, the D-tackle, who blocked the field goal, and then Chargers were so embarrassed they lost that they had to move their team. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, just being uh, pretty much what Big Kevin Sports entails is uh i i just support uh local cleveland uh sports podcasts and i have a uh a, a second account that uh highlights shows from around here and um also uh personalities and uh it's just one of my passions has always been broadcasting and uh and the browns you know so uh, i'm all i'm all on board for cleveland sports talk and uh that's just a little bit of my background and the Browns and I played college football. I played at uh, Bay High School. We won the conference for the first time since Dave Zastel back in 91. And uh, that's a little background on me. Excellent. Excellent. Appreciate you, you sharing all that me, was. Thank you for allowing me to have the floor. 
Your honor. Uh, sure thing. Sure thing. Your honor. Your honor. <laughs> My honor. <laughs> Nobody's ever called me that, Kevin. Come on. <laughs> So, uh, so uh, on uh, on tonight's show, we're we're going to uh, we're going to attempt to talk about the Super Bowl in a roundabout way. Okay, guys, we're going to talk about the two teams that that got to the Super Bowl. Obviously, this wasn't the Browns' season, um, you know. So we kind of want to look at what these two teams did, um, the paths they took to get there, uh, maybe. You know what the Browns can learn from that. Uh, what we can learn from that as fans, and um, I'm I'm going to just talk briefly because I wrote I wrote an article um, came out a couple days ago, and then aside from you two, I think three other people read it. So um, so at least some people are familiar with it. But um, yeah, it was a it was a very good read. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, you know the uh, the title and the title was kind of unjust because you know I, I I normally don't have a big long title on my article but I I gave it this this article kind of like it or this title kind of like it was a, uh, a college thesis or something you know so uh, um, concepts in building an NFL winner is discovered during the 2021 NFL season um, it, it's really not you know that um, it's really not all that guys but anyways so. Um, and you know, I I kind I came up with some things, but um, you know, I kind of want to get your thoughts too as to um, you know, obviously the Bengals got to the Super Bowl one way, the Rams got there kind of almost completely. You know, well, I don't want to say completely the other way, but you know, the other way, and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a dichotomy. And um, you know, what can we learn from this? So. Um, I guess let's look at a couple things in my article, and then we'll dive. Then we'll dive into actually comparing the teams, um, and and I, I'll just go through some of the uh, some of the points I made in the article and some of the questions I ask. And that's you know the first thing was does it um, question was does it take time to build a winner? Because you know the Bengals, it, a lot of us picked or two of us anyways picked the Bengals to finish last in the division this year. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and that wasn't disrespect. That was just still thinking they're a young team and that they were probably not quite there yet. So, and, you know, and they, and they, they proved, uh, they proved us wrong and probably a lot of other people wrong and did well. So, but there, there's been this kind of thought that, well, you know, when we, even when we've talked about the Browns, it's like, you know, when the Browns start rebuilding, it's like, you know, well, you know, we might be able to get to Super Bowl in two, three, four years and, you know, and the Bengals, all of a sudden they they do this thing and and all of a sudden they're just they're just there. So so that's kind of you know kind of blowing that thing out of the water of, of the thought that it takes time to build a winner. So I kind of wanted to get your just your thoughts on that. Um so Jeff, why don't, why don't you kick it off with your thoughts on what it takes to build a winner and time frame and and uh kind of comparing the traditional thought to what happened with the Bengals. Yeah, it, it is a, an interesting case study for, you know, what is the best path to long-term success uh, in the NFL? And uh, I think you laid out the, the, the two options um, 
that that teams in in the NFL really tend to follow most frequently. You know, it's like either you know we're going to tear it down to the studs and we're going to try to rebuild through the draft, um, or we're going to sort of if we think we've got a decent core, we're going to go all in on on free agents and, and try to win now. Um, I, I think what we're finding maybe is that there's something in the middle um, that that works equally as well. Um, the, the Browns are, I, I think, now on that path where, you know, three, four years ago, they were tearing it down to the studs. And, and now that they've got some established star players, um, they don't see the necessity to kind of go all in right now. They want to they want to maintain that that winning um, roster over the you know over the near term and, and hopefully the long term. Um, but I think the one thing that that was missing from that Rod, when you look at you know what what works and why it works, um, is the culture of the organization um, at that you know at that given point in time. Um, I think probably the reason the Bengals were able to turn it around so fast, uh, where the, the Browns just kind of continue this cycle or have continued this cycle is that, um, we had really had to overcome that losing culture, you know, that, that 20 years of, you know, not tasting success, not knowing what it was like, not that the Bengals were ultra successful. Um, but I just don't think they had as, as, much of an issue with a losing culture that had to be overcome. So um, it's, it's easier for a team to turn it around um, in that scenario. And so those things all put together. Um, it, I think it's really interesting to, to look at, you know, how a team like the Bengals can go from worst to first in a couple of years when the Browns kind of wandered in the desert for 20 plus years. Um, and, it, it it certainly makes you sit there and think, well, geez, why not us, right? That's that's kind of every Browns fan's thought this week going into the game. Why not us? You know, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe we could figure that out at some point. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with overcoming the culture. So, Kevin, let's get your thought on that. Um, as far as uh, the Browns versus the Bengals, um, history of losing. I mean, the Bengals, you know, the Bengals have uh, been in more playoffs more recently. But, but before some of those playoffs, which I, I don't know how long it's been since they've been in the playoffs. It, it's been a while, but they had a stretch there where they were in the playoffs under Marvin Lewis several years uh, or several times and they lost all the time. But before Marvin Lewis, they were horrible. You know, they had they had several uh, first overall picks in a row and things. So. So what's your thought comparing the two? And do you agree with Jeff that the uh, that the culture is easier to change down there? Oh, yeah. I, I really like what uh, Jeff is saying. Uh, when you think, you know, Browns and Bengals throughout the years, uh, the uh, Bengals had not won a playoff, uh, playoff game since, or was it the division? I don't think, I think they didn't either win the division, I think it was the first time since 1990, or it was their first playoff win since uh, uh, 90. It was one of those two, but yeah, it was it, their first playoff win. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, that's right. And they win the division, but like you said, right. with uh, Carson and Ocho Cinco and all that, but you got to remember that the uh, Bengals had a confident owner. We had we had an owner that uh, more 
uh, Randy Lerner, who's more concerned about Ashton Villa and his English Premier League team. And uh, you guys yeah. know this, they placed in 20th, which uh, if you're outside of the top 17, you get relegated. So his team got relegated and lost millions of dollars. And then he ended up uh, selling the Browns. So, uh, no, it's really hard to look at how the Browns have tried to uh, build up a team and stuff, even though I love the players uh, throughout that, uh, like I said before. But, no, it's really weird the matchup between these two because the Browns are uh, five or one against the Bengals since uh, Baker has come along. Uh, Joey Burrow has never beaten Baker Mayfield. Uh, Baker likes playing against the Bengals. Yeah, yeah. He I mean, this does. year earlier it was uh, 41 to 15. And then uh, obviously last year, the 100th year of the uh, the NFL anniversary, September 17th. Uh, which was my birthday. Uh, it, it, I think that one was the home win on Thursday night football. And then later on that season was the Baker to DPJ uh, famous last drive and score touchdown. So the reason I say that is it seems like you're, you know, I won't, I won't go as far as saying any given Sunday, but it's, yeah, you got to have a little bit of luck. Got you got to have a couple right. of things that go for you that that you that you don't see as a fan until it happens. You know, uh, especially with the Browns in the past, uh, luck, luck, lady, lady luck is not favorite of us at all. Uh, bringing up True. Denver and uh, the helmet to helmet collision uh, against the Chiefs in the playoffs last year. Uh, Going looking back at this season, the uh pass interference called on uh MJ Stewart that uh the uh Chargers, Chargers, yeah, right? The uh yeah. Chargers wide receiver was ripping his arm off, yeah, and that like gave lost 47 to 42. And then at Kansas City, uh, uh, the Scottish Hammer uh didn't know that if he dropped the fumble that he can pick it up and kick it, he tried to run for it. And there, there was a number of moments in that game, and uh, I wish him nothing but the best in his future endeavors. And then uh, Miles Garrett. I mean, Brown's Twitter would blast off and show pictures and stuff, and there would be instances where there's six times they could have thrown a flag for hold, and they would be lucky. We'd be lucky if they threw a flag once. And then the yeah. kicking situation fell apart. And uh, special teams, and not so much uh, kick returns or punt returns anymore this day and age, but kicking, as, kicking we, see and from, yeah. as we can see from the Bengals and playing field position and uh, converting those big-time field goals, that, I mean, that, that's a really big factor. So, uh, And another thing that has happened throughout is uh, the Browns have been plagued with injuries. Uh, uh, luckily enough, this year, uh, secondary was... Uh, healthy for the most part, but I think a number of times last year that we even made the playoff round, we would have the top three cornerbacks out for that game. So you're playing fourth, fifth, sixth string players and trying to find an identity. And then these new young kids come in and again, we're plagued by, uh, we're plagued by injuries. And uh, this season, the big thing that I observed was the uh, tackle position for the Browns. 
And uh, another thing is Kareem Hunt. I think when Kareem Hunt was still healthy and playing, I think we were four and one at one point, or were we four and two? It was one of those two. But earlier that mm. in the year, week one, um, Conklin went down, and then uh, his, his backup. Uh, oh shoot! Hubbard. What is, yeah, uh, Hubbard, yes, right? Hubbard, yeah, Hubbard. He he was he's out for the year, and then uh, Conklin comes back, and for four games he would have to leave early off the field, and at the same time Wilkes he would have to leave the game, and now we have a center playing tackle or a rookie tackle out of Cincinnati, Hudson the third playing tackle, and and now the tight ends have to focus more on containing that pass rush. And they can't go out and run their routes. And then we have Stonehands, McGee, Hooper, dropping balls. You know, it's just a number of things happen. And, you know, with the OBJ drama and, oh, God, you know. There were a lot of Stonehands this year, too, yeah. Yes, yes. And, and, And there's not a lot of things that went right for us this year. But I think a big thing is that we have to have the one two punch of uh, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. I think that was our identity last year. And people put a lot of it on Baker. But he, throughout the year, I think it was obvious to all of us that he was really, really banged up. And yeah, when, we're compar- when we're comparing these two teams, Burrow would get pressured more and get sacked more. Um, but he, I mean, Baker was just unlucky. He went for a spear tackle and hurt his shoulder. And, you know, it's just, I think it's, I, I mean, I don't know what you guys think. I think it's a matter of luck. It's not necessarily which team is more skilled than the other. But um, just from my observations, it seems like we look at these two organizations. I picked them last two, by the way. And uh, there was yeah. just a lot of things that went wrong for us this year and a lot of things that went right for them this year. Yeah, you you don't want to take anything away from the Bengals. Um, that absolutely they they earned this trip to the Super Bowl. They they had to make it. They had to they had to win. Um, what they won ten games. Yes, and uh, so, and, so, that, yeah. and that most recent one, they uh they lost the coin toss, and everyone said that they're definitely going to lose. But luck <laughs> would have it, they intercepted uh Mr. Mahomes and uh won it with the field goal. Yeah, so, so they won their 10 games and, you know, and they've, they've made it to the Super Bowl. So you can't take anything away from them. But on the other side, it, it's, you know, we don't want to turn this into a to a to a, a Bengals and Rams worship session because sure. the Browns have they've had their way with the Bengals the last several times, you know, and I'm not counting the last game of the season because that, you know, that was a preseason game pretty much. Um, but you know, over the past two seasons, the the Browns have beat them. So, um, so it's real hard to to sit here and say, you know, wow, the Browns need to be a lot more like the Bengals. Well, the Browns are beating the Bengals, but but what we can do is look at the differences. And I I think what's um, I think Jeff made some great points. You know, it's it's um, it's not only the uh, the culture. It's things like um, you know, if you look at at penalties, um, Bengals. You know, at least early on, the Bengals were near near the near the best in the league at, at fewest penalties and you know um special teams and and things like this um their their defense was opportunistic um you know uh, burrow who who uh was sacked almost as much as anybody in the league um 
you know, I, I looked it up from my article, and he, um, the Bengals' offensive line gave up the third most sacks in the league. Well, normally that's not a good thing, but that just tells you that Joe Burrow was able to recover from those situations, uh, you know, of being in probably second, second and long and third and long more often than most other guys could. So that just tells you that the quarterback's doing his job. So, you know, um, the Rams are a whole other situation, but um, – but yeah, I mean, oh, oh, right. the Bengals that, deserve credit. On that, when you observe the Rams, do you think that they kind of came from the school of thought of they did the blueprint of what uh, Tampa Bay did last year with getting these big names? And uh, this season it showed, at least Tampa Bay, it didn't work out, but it seems like the Rams just, it's come play in L.A. and let's bring in these stars and let's, uh, let's try to see if this thing can work out. Well, well, let's talk about that. So, uh, so Jeff, we'll let, we'll let you kick this off. So the, the idea of go, going all in or, or close to it and, and going all in, you know, because you have a window to win in, you know, because, um, you know, I, I don't know, you know, you know, maybe you're, I, I don't know Aaron Donald's contract situation or, or some of these other guys, but, you know, may, maybe, uh, you know, maybe the Rams felt like this was their their window. So so they they do this uh, right. uh, Matt Stafford trade. Um, they give up a, a yeah. third round pick. Um, uh, Jer- they give up Jared Goff, a, a third round pick in 21 and then first round picks in 22 and 23. Um, so the, the player the Lions picked in, in 21, I think, is the DB who really didn't play much last year. Now, the, the first round pick, obviously, in 22 is going to be pick number 31 or 32. Um, and, and who knows what pick number, number uh, you know, they'll get in, in, in 23 out of that first round pick. So, so you know, you, you hear that they're giving up Goff, two firsts and a third, and you think, oh, my gosh, they gave up a, a ton for Matt Stafford. And then you see that, yeah, the, you really. know, yeah it, it doesn't turn out to be as much as it sounds like. So they give up that for Stafford. Um, for Von Miller, they give up. They gave up a uh, a second and a third in in uh, twenty two, and um, all he did, I think, was lead the team in sacks or something with like ten sacks. I'm not sure. I, I looked briefly at their page. Did he really have more sacks than? Uh... <laughs> uh, this 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 year, I think. Uh... With uh, Miller, he had a total of five sacks, according to uh, my paper. Okay, okay, I can. Okay, I, I figured I, I I went to their team page, but that didn't seem right that he led the team in sacks. So I figured that was wrong. So so that and and OBJ they just signed. I don't you know I don't think they gave up anything for him. So no. So the question, Jeff, is you know is, is this going all in? You know, I mean, I, I don't know who I don't know what they paid for any free agents before the season or anything. You know, I don't know their roster, you know, that well. But do you think they're close to going all in with with these moves? Oh, definitely. They're all in. Um, the, the thing that you have to consider when looking at the Rams is they've won 55 games over the last five seasons. So they're they're averaging 11 wins per season over the last five years. Um, that's a window. <laughs> you know, that, that's, yeah. that's saying, you know, we, we've got talent. We can beat people. We just need to get over the hump. 
Okay, so so to your point of, of trading future draft choices and so forth, that's pretty low risk. I mean, they, they, they have a very talented roster, and they have players who are in their prime who have a, a track record of winning. You know, that's, I guess that's the difference between them and the Bengals. You know, the, the Bengals, um, you know, they had their stretch back in, you know, 2011, 2015, where they were good. They were winning 10 games a season, right? Um, but it's been a few years for the Bengals um, where, you know, for, for the Rams, it's, you know, they, they know how to win now. And so it completely makes sense for them to go all in. Okay, now when you compare that to the Browns and, and where we are in, in the rebuilding process, okay, I mean, the Browns have won 10 games twice in the last 22 years. Okay, so that's not a base to go all in on. You know, the, the, the Rams have that base to go all, all in on. The Bengals, I think, you know, they're, they're winning because of some really talented young guys that don't know that they're you know not great yet <laughs> did i say that right yeah. <laughs> they haven't figured out that they're not great yet they, they still believe that they're great okay the league hasn't smacked them around enough they haven't uh, played long Joe enough Burrow to got be his great they just they haven't played right long enough right to be great i mean it's no right. you know it's so, no offense to them oh they're, and, they're uh, building they're, note, they're you uh were correct Nine and a half sacks. Sorry about that. ESPN, of course, okay. they said how many sacks he had against the NFC, and that's the main stat, and it was five. So, but that's oh. the season stat. ESPN so he had nine, nine and a half. How, how many did Aaron Donald then, have this year? Because he usually has like 20. And then he also had three sacks in the playoffs. So that would make 12 and a half on, on total for, uh, for okay. uh, Mr. Miller. So you were correct. Do, I had to look have, it up. Do you have Aaron Donald's number in front of you there? Yes, I have it right here. Now I'm questioning what I wrote. So Von Miller was right a, a perfect rental for the Rams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, he was a perfect rental. Absolutely, absolutely, 100% agree. Uh, yeah, this year uh, uh, Aaron Donald had 12.5 sacks in the uh, regular season, uh, tied okay. for seven. Tied so he's seven. still at the league. He's still at the league. He's just yeah. – he normally has a few more than that, so I was just kind of curious. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot where I was going to go next now, guys, because we got we got tied up on the sacks there. Uh, so, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we, uh, we were going over uh, the Rams and who they acquired and them going all in this oh, year. Oh, I, I remember what I was going to say is I want either one of you guys to explain to me the situation of Eric Weddle. Uh, the Rams free safety. How, how does a guy not play all season and then come back and play? Maybe I'm wrong with this, but as far as I know, <laughs> he didn't play all season and he comes back and he joins a team for the playoffs. He, he was retired. He was retired. Yeah. And he comes and he joins a team for the playoffs and now he's going to play yeah. in the Super Bowl. How do you do that? <laughs> he, he played a lot of pickup basketball. As oh my gosh. <laughs> how does that work? You know, I mean, can, <laughs> You know, I mean, can can anybody just decide this week that they want to join one of these two teams? Well, <laughs> um, you know, to, to Kevin's point, sometimes luck is in your favor and things just go well. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I mean, so, uh, I mean he, yeah, he's th he's 37 years old. And like you said, he came in right towards the end, right around uh, 
uh, week 16 there. And uh, yeah. he's been playing ever since. So, yeah, it's a little bit of luck. Uh, also, if you're a member of the Rams, they uh, right before the season started, uh, we all got a notification that uh, they traded for Sonny Mitchell. There's been a big part of that backfield, the one-two punch uh, that they've developed with their uh, coaching staff. And, you know, yeah, they've had a few guys help out back there. Yeah, haven't they? Yeah, and it's just it it really is like uh it's not even a next man up. It's more of a a reload that they uh substitute with Robert Woods going down on the IR and uh then OBJ ends up there and uh that uh Cooper Cooper Cup with a fantastic season that's uh that I haven't seen in a long time uh out of any wide receiver. I, well, because nobody's ever done it before. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, <Could> be why? <laughs> honestly, nobody's like, nobody's ever put up numbers like he's put up. He had right. what nineteen hundred receiving yards this season, and and what twenty? I, I don't have it right in front of me. Twenty? It was twenty or twenty plus touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think those are both records for a receiver. Yeah, it was definitely. I knew. I know the receiving yards was definitely 19, over nineteen hundred. But didn't uh, our good buddy uh, Josh Gordon do that? No, I think Josh, about well, nineteen hundred. No, he had like he had like he had like fourteen hundred and three games. But I think it was only sixteen hundred on the season. Okay, and he had two quarterbacks, if you remember, something like that. Yeah. No, he Josh Gordon had like what like like. Uh, seven or eight hundred yards in three games it, but i think he ended up with like 1600 yards or something that season or something like that it was it was a really big number but i believe that the 1900 plus is a is a record yeah with, wide receiver uh, yeah, and I, the ni- 1900 and he was also first in receptions with the 145 and, yeah you know his numbers are crazy um he he definitely um I don't even know if you demean him by saying he should be in the talk as MVP. Almost, you know, I mean, I don't know if he's, if he's, um, you know, if he's just the guy who gets MVP or if it's between him and, you know, and, and, and a few other guys or what, but man, if he doesn't get MVP votes, um, something's wrong (laughs) to put up numbers like that. Sure. But yeah, I mean, uh, Robert Woods was having a pretty nice season before he went down too. And Van Jefferson's a quality receiver. Um, you know, um, Matt Stafford had, uh, you know, and and again, I'm not I'm not saying Matt Stafford had it easy or anything, but he had some good guys to throw to, and you know, and he performed. So um, quite, uh, you know, quite a quite an opportunity for Stafford, and you know. For me, it, it's good to see Stafford uh, in a situation like that to get some accolades. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent here, guys, but I get really tired of of the ring counting and just a quarterback on a bad team is bad because he doesn't win a title and a quarterback on a good team that goes to playoffs is good because he does, even if he, his numbers suck. You know, like Jimmy Garoppolo is always better than Matt Stafford because Jimmy Garoppolo wins a playoff game and Matt Stafford doesn't get to the playoffs when he's on the Lions. Mm-hmm. Okay, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> and even with his bad years on the Lions, remember that uh, 
Hail Mary through when he broke his ribs and they called the pass interference. I think he beat us on. Uh, that was against the Browns. So, yeah, that was a great year. We, we all know that every highlight they show of anybody's career is going to be against the Browns, Kevin. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so one other point from my article, and then we'll just move on to other stuff, was uh, – was is a franchise quarterback I'm lost. And when I said this, I was talking about really all four quarterbacks in the in the championship game. So I mean you're you're talking about um you're talking about uh um let's see um four pretty you know three quarterbacks who I think everybody would agree are franchise guys and then Jimmy Garoppolo. Um you know and again I'm not gonna sit here and slam Jimmy Garoppolo but the guy I think went through the playoffs with uh, at least until the championship game, he had not thrown a touchdown pass. So he's not a guy who was carrying his team. The defense was the defense in the running game was carrying that San Francisco team. So his team can say he's a winner and everything, but they weren't winning because of him. You know, he, he's out there to not turn the ball over to do his job in that. That doesn't make him a great quarterback. You know, it, you know, he's doing his job, though. So um, so as a franchise quarterback, a must in order to to win in today's NFL football. I'm going to leave it at that and let you guys let you guys discuss. So, um, Jeff, why don't you kick that off? Well, didn't Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl? Yes, he did. Uh, it's been a long time. <laughs> 2000. Yep. One so of the greatest I mean, defenses ever. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you could probably make a laundry list of, of, you know, less than franchise quarterbacks who won Super Bowls um, because of their supporting cast. Um, I guess the short answer is, you know, do, do you need to have a franchise quarterback to to win championships? The, the, the answer is no, but it sure as hell makes it a lot easier. <laughs> I mean, if you have Otto Graham, you can dominate the AFL, right? If you, if you have... Um, you know, if you have a superstar quarterback, you have Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be in the championship game pretty much every year. If you have Tom Brady, you're going to win seven or eight or however many Super Bowls he's won. Um, So, yeah, it it sure as hell makes it easier um, if you do. Yeah, and and you just have to, you have to be that much less perfect everywhere else because he's the guy that touches the ball on every play offensively. Um, And so his contribution just matters more than everybody else. You know, you can have a great receiver uh, be completely shut out in a game and win if your running game is, is, you know, dominant and vice versa. Whereas, you know, the quarterback has an off day, pretty much your offense is having an off day. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin, what are your thoughts? Oh yeah, I, I agree. Uh, just thinking about it. Uh, it was excellent that you brought up, Dilfer, uh, that's one of the ones that every time it comes ahead, it's like, well, you know, we don't really need that franchise QB. But, you know, looking at these these past decade and two decades, you know, uh, Tom Brady has been the real one that's been the uh, trendsetter. But, you know, you're not going to get you're not going to get a Tom Brady. You're not going to get a sixth round quarterback that wasn't really scouted by anyone in that combination with Belichick. Uh, so. That that in itself is, I don't want to say luck again. It's not luck. It's just 
he was he he's one of the best players to ever do it. But looking at the past Super Bowl winners, uh, one that comes to mind is uh, Philadelphia when they ran the Philly special. And uh, this year they uh, happened to make the playoffs with uh, Jalen Hurts and their uh, quarterback that won that Super Bowl. They've moved on completely. Uh, so it's it really it's it's a matter of establishing your team and having guys that want to win for your organization. Now for, for quarterbacks, all these teams that were in the playoffs, uh, even Garoppolo who hasn't performed as well, but uh, when you go Stafford, Burrow, Allen, Carr, uh, Dak Prescott, Rogers, uh, Big Ben. Uh, these are guys who have been with their teams for a while now. Not so much uh, uh, Stafford. I think Stafford is the one that uh, the veteran that's that was brought in to uh, perform. I think he's the one that yeah. stands out. But it was kind of similar to Tom Brady, um, like I said before, uh, when he went down to Tampa Bay. So that's that that's that oddity that stands out. But everyone else is. Uh, part of their organizations to be built up to something greater. So, yes, you need you need a franchise quarterback. You have you need you need to have the guy, and that's been the Browns' issue throughout the years. You've got you got to have the guy, and you have to have faith in him, and you have to build a team around him. And that's that's just my perspective from games I've watched over the years. You know, there are those oddities that. This team comes in and they win a Super Bowl and then they move on from everyone that was a part of that and they do a complete rebuild again. But especially this year's playoffs, all those all those quarterbacks have been on their teams for at least four or more years. So uh, with the exception to uh, Jalen Hurts, and I don't know what they're going to end up doing with Carr uh, with uh, Las Vegas, but. Yeah, I think I think you just you got to have you got to have the guy that's the uh, face of your organization. I think there's yeah. one more thing, Rod. Um, Go ahead. Your guy needs to get hot at the right time. Mm. Um, uh, and, yeah. and you made me Definitely. think of this when you talked about Philly, um, um, Kevin. Is uh, Nick Foles MVP of Super Bowl Fifty Two? Joe Flacco MVP of Super mm. Bowl Forty Seven? Um, you know. Those are two guys that, that that was the pinnacle of their career, right? Um, but yeah, they, they were never hot at bad, the right they were time. never any better after that. No. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So you know, even if you do have an average quarterback or you know just a, a, a non-franchise type quarterback uh, who plays extremely well at the right time, you can get it done. Again, it's, it's a lot easier the other way, but that can happen. Just doesn't happen very often. Yeah, and um, you know, it, and you make you make a good point, Kevin, with with these guys being with their team for a long time because that uh, yeah, I you know I don't want to use the word chemistry. It's but uh, um, you know just just being with the team or with the coach and kind of um, knowing what's going on and being on the same page and everything. Um, you know, I think that makes a difference, but. With Stafford, Stafford is a guy who's who's been in the league long enough that he probably doesn't need that as much. So 
so um so definitely a good point so um i think you know i i agree with you guys on the quarterback the only the only reason um you can the only way you can win without a franchise quarterback is is if you've got um you know just an outstanding defense and an outstanding running game and that is that's just, that's just really hard to do in today's nfl because uh, even the best defenses are still going to have games where they where they give up you know where they give up 20 points um, it, it's just hard to have a, a defense nowadays that that completely shuts a team down um, you know it happens but it, it's really hard to to do it consistently so, the league um, is too pass friendly yeah um, it's it's too offense happy um, for that to be a successful strategy to to win championships i mean you know the bears over the years have have tried that strategy um you know there have been a few other examples of of really stout defenses and and questionable offenses or one-dimensional offenses um but i think you and i talked about this earlier today rod that you know to win in the nfl today you gotta be able to throw the ball yeah so so let me bring up something else guys so we've talked about the quarterback Let's go. Let's go a step further and talk about the wide receiver, okay? Because look at the teams who were successful in the playoffs. How many of them had uh, either one dominant receiver or two dominant receivers? Okay. Look at the Rams with with Cooper Cup, uh, the Bengals with Jamar Chase. Um, uh, let's see the 49ers with with uh, Debo Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean the bell, the uh, the Bills. It's I don't think it's well. It's I mean they have a number of receivers, but um, yeah, they had uh, Davis comes to mind, and then yeah, uh, David Davis was hot at the end. Gabriel Davis, but um, Kansas City, it was Hill and Kelsey. Like uh, yeah, Ty- Tyreek Hill, obviously. Yeah, per usual. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I'm forgetting. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'll leave it at that because yeah, the more players I name, the more players I forget their name. So, anyways, here we go. <laughs> but you guys, you guys see where I'm going is, um, and, and I'm not saying the QB is not important. I think the QB is important, but it almost feels like you need a dominant receiver to make it deep in the playoffs. So, so do you guys feel like that is true now? Is it is a dominant receiver? more important than a dominant um running game at this point or or um you know or are they completely or are they two separate things um who would you uh, like to take that one i'll let you go first kevin go ahead yeah okay so uh, i i i would say uh you're 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 pretty uh spot on spot on as my friends would say over in the uk spot on uh if you just think just recently, uh, I love how the Irish accent just pops up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's very it's very strange. I get, it, it's kind it's of a great. where it goes in between the Ohio, like I said earlier, like with my last name, McAndrews or McAndrews. No, so it's, it kind of pops on and off, but. Yeah, you know what? You have a you have a really good point. Just because thinking of the past with um, uh, Kansas City is always they've they've had Tyreek Hill. Uh, Buffalo had Diggs at 
past seasons. I think Zigs, that's who I was trying yeah. to think of. I'm sorry. Mike Mike Evans, Tampa Bay. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, was it is it Marquise Brown? Uh, the Ravens wide receiver who went down earlier this year. Uh, and you know, I think I think there's definitely something to that. I mean, if you just go through the teams that made the playoffs this season, they all had a big name at wide receiver number one. So you got you got to find you got to have you got to find. And last year for the Browns, I, I think you guys would agree that that was Jarvis for us. He was Mister Reliable. And unfortunately, this year, I I sort of remember. Sorry to take it back to the Browns, but. I remember him taking. This a, was a Browns podcast, so hey. yeah. After, I remember him taking a hard shot to that kidney area, and I don't think he ever recovered from that. I think yeah. it had to be week six. I think it, him and Baker both went down with the extreme injuries that same week. But you, I mean, you got you got to have that franchise wide receiver. Uh, now, does it result in wins all the time? No. Uh, perfect example: Josh Gordon. We were an awful team, an awful organization, and he was by far our best team. But uh, playoffs are definitely a different story. But there is this trend here that the players that were best in the regular season have that transfer over to the playoffs. Uh, Even rather, it is the wide receiver one or your slot guy, as Brady has shown us throughout the years with um, Edelman out of Kent State, a, a converted quarterback to wide receiver. And uh, before that, Wes Welker, um, all all these uh, slot guys. But as the league's evolving, they now realize they don't have to be outside at that wide receiver one spot. They can move on to the inside, and then you have your possession receivers on the outside and your speed towards the inside to get that mismatch with the linebackers. So, um, yeah, I think there really is something to that that you gotta you gotta have that guy of a wide receiver, or at least at least have mathematically uh, the options to be able to go to a number of different players. Like if you're gonna, if let's say that they're just gonna focus on that guy throughout the game and you can't even get him the ball, throw it to the tight end, dump it off to the running back, uh, like we've seen in these yeah. playoffs. Uh, Garoppolo is not throwing touchdown passes, but they're moving the ball downfield because uh, with their Spread, spread look, uh, West Coast style offense. Uh, all it is is just short passes and uh, creative running plays and just moving the ball uh, top to bottom. And with the uh, Bengals, it's a lot of uh, risky deep ball plays or it's uh, mixing going right up the middle. But um, they, I mean, how how lucky do you think that the Bengals feel that uh, they got these three young kids to be their receiver core? I mean, that really stood out to me this year. I mean, I didn't see it coming. Like you said earlier, you get, you said that the two of you said they'll come in last. I picked the same thing. And, well, on the side note, I said we'll have 12 wins. So, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of things. I, said, you know? oh, I think man. I said 12 or 13, Kevin, so don't feel bad. So They, they, yeah. they fooled yeah. me again. Yeah, and I said that uh, we'll be in the wild card when they had zero wins. So, you know, <laughs> we all make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I love that topic with wide receivers and that that option uh, to be successful in the playoffs and even in the regular season. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, that's that's just my thoughts on it. Yeah. So, so, um, so go ahead, John. <laughs> I, I'm not so sure that this isn't a chicken and egg kind of a thing. Um, 
and I'll, I'll frame it this way. Um, how many receiving yards do you think Cooper Cup would have had in 2021 in the Kevin Stefanski offense? Um, probably about 800. <laughs> Which pro- probably twice as many as anybody on the Browns had, but I think exactly, that's... exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I think to to be a league leading receiver, you have to be in the right offense. Okay, you also have to be a, a really good receiver. So if if that guy's good and he's in the Browns' offense, good in that offense is eight hundred. Good in a really strong passing offense is you know uh, eighteen hundred. Okay, so. Yeah, you have to have those guys. You also have to have the offensive philosophy to make it work. And I think we knew coming yeah. into this season that, you know, that wasn't our gig. You know, we weren't, we weren't going to be throwing OBJ the ball 15 times a game, and, and he wasn't going to be racking up tons of yards. And that's probably why he got pissed off, okay? But, um, probably. You know, again, it wasn't, you know, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't a newsflash to anybody, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, you know, I think – your, your points are really good, Kevin, about, you know, you need to have the speed guy, you need to have the possession guy, um, and you need to utilize both of them. And, you know, when you're playing a very conservative offense that, you know, that, that doesn't throw the ball more than five yards very often, um, it's going to be hard for, you know, a, a guy like um, uh, Cooper Cup or, or OBJ or whoever, you know, to put up a, a huge season. Um, so, I think, yeah, to win in the NFL, you have to have both. You have to have a quarterback who can throw those those balls, and you have to have a receiver who can catch them. And, and in the NFL, you know, that equals success when you have both. You know, when you can consistently complete passes because it is such a pass-friendly league. Um, now what happens is when you make that that – desperation throw and the defensive back just kind of has a hold of your jersey a little bit guess what you get the dpi right um Mm -hmm. when you're the browns and you're not really good at doing that um you don't get that call (laughs) the wide receiver the wide receiver holds on to your uh your your corner's jersey and your corner gets called for defensive pass (laughs) right right so yeah so and and you know Jarvis Landry, for instance, I mean, um, possession receiver, uh, a fairly small guy. Um, you need to have a big guy. You need to have a guy, a big guy as your possession receiver. Okay. Um, so you need, you need, uh, one of your tight ends to be able to hang on to the ball. If that's what you're going to ask them to do is be the possession receiver. Okay. Um, you need the speed guy to be able to get, create separation, you know, run the right route. You know, so there's so many different factors that play into a successful passing offense. And I just don't think the Browns executed any of them very well this year. And what you end up with is a one dimensional running offense that, that, you know, just doesn't put up a hell of a lot of points. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That is a good point with the Browns in the playoffs last year that I didn't really observe that. Yeah, he is a really, he, he is a really smaller guy compared to these uh, players that are leading right now in the playoffs. And, uh, do you guys, on a side note, do you guys think this uh, this is the end for Hollywood Higgins? Because he was another guy last year that, he, I mean, he was, he, he played very big in that uh, that Chiefs game in that role. But since then, he, I mean, 
the the day before a game would start, they'd say personal reasons. And I mean, I was just I was really disappointed in the uh taking it back to the Cleveland Browns wide receiver core this year. And even though Baker was absolutely like, I mean, he had five injuries at once. Uh it's not it's not that the other positions were doing them any favors. Uh even though I love the guys, but you know, just because of my fandom, but with Kareem Hunt going down, now your offensive, uh, that style of that power run football, and you don't have any tackles, and your tight end, your primary tight end, you run in for four years, and he's the third most, the highest, third highest paid tight end. He won't catch it. So it's like, what are they supposed to do? There's a lot to fix, you guys, with Higgins and, um, uh, DPJ, it's like, what, where are we going forward with this? And you know what, DPJ, DPJ is young enough that um, you did see a little, little uh, signs of him uh, making some progress. But overall, the offense had no identity because you know you can't establish the run when you have a third string center and a second or second string guard and a second string center going out to play the other tackle you know you got i mean we need our Mm. we need our big guys up front that's been our identity that's how it worked last year with hunt jumping over the goal line with the touchdown and him and uh uh, nick chubb having that chemistry together and if you guys remember earlier this year our running backs coach went down and he tore his knee so maybe that played a factor too i mean nothing went right for us this year that's that's just what I said. Nothing would write for us this year, especially on offense. Especially on offense. Yeah, I think the uh, I think I think there's going to be a major uh, major turnover in the wide receiver room. And I, you know, we we talked about this probably. It's probably been two shows ago now. But I, I think uh, more than likely, DPJ uh, Schwartz and you know, if I had to guess, DPJ Schwartz and. Uh, Demetric Felton um, are, are going to be kind of the the basis for the wide receiver room, uh, you know, going into next season. And the Browns are going to going to add probably a free agent and two draft picks to that room. That would be my guess. Um, That'll be interesting too, because we have quite a history of free agents coming in and not necessarily performing up to their contract, but. Uh, well, the NFL yeah. draft historically, it's it's been the better option for us. And uh, yeah, I, I think that I I think they'll definitely take a wide receiver in either the first or second round. But, um, but yeah, that'd be my guess. So, guys, I'm gonna do a quick shout out here. Then I got I've got another, one more question for you, and we'll probably uh, probably wrap things up. So uh, um, I need I need to give a shout out to uh, to Justin Larue. That's at J U Larue. Uh, Justin works at the Mall of America in uh, in uh, Minneapolis, and Justin contacted me, and he sent me out some some goodies, guys. He sent me out. He works for uh, Pepper Palace there, and he sent me out some some salsa and some hot sauce. And uh, we tried this stuff out um, within the past week, and he sent he sent this uh, five pepper fire roasted salsa, and and I'm somebody that I'm you know I, I like like uh, salsa heat, but normally not you know like really really hot stuff. And man, this salsa is really excellent. I really like that. Um, I tried 
I tried the uh, the garlic and pepper hot sauce, and it was it was good. Um, now Ethan, our son, tried the the Doc Habanero hot sauce. He liked that, and he took that back to school with him. I didn't want any part of the habanero, <laughs> just being honest. So, but um, shout out to. Um, Definite uh, shout out! Shout out to Justin. Um, we're going to try to get him on for uh, for a, a segment to talk a little bit at, on a future show. But um, really nice of him to send some stuff out. We appreciate it. So, um, uh, but uh, getting back to the show here, um, you know, talking guys talking about the the QBs and the wide receivers, um, and and just thinking about the playoffs and you know the. Uh, you know the, the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Bills, the you know the uh, the Rams. Um, you know, even thinking Cowboys and some of these other teams. One one last question is: Is a conservative offense smart now with the rules, um, or or is it smarter to build your team around the QB, the wide receivers, and bombs away, and and you know, and trying to get a couple really good wide receivers and, and just going for it more often. Um, I think I'll, I'll just leave it at that. And Jeff, I'll let you start this one off. Justin Herbert wants to go for it on every down. He does. Um, He's pretty good at it. Too. I, you know what? And, and, I, and I, I have a hard time disagreeing with that. Um, I think you need to be aggressive offensively and I think you need to take chances and playing it close to the vest and playing it safe um, is a recipe for mediocrity in the NFL. Um, Sometimes though you are limited by personnel to Mm -hmm. what you can do. Um, So I don't necessarily think that, that teams um, play that way by choice all the time. There may be some coaches who's that, you know, that's their philosophy, but you know, you need the passing game to score points, to win the game for you. And then you need the running game to kill the clock. And I think that has historically been the formula for success in football in general. Right. Um, What we need to figure out here in Cleveland is how can we put, a successful passing offense on the field like we had at the end of 2020 um, in 2022. And and whatever combination of players and philosophies that takes, um, we're going to need to come up with it because otherwise we're we're wasting some really good talent on this roster um, in a window where we should be winning 10 games every year like the Rams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, What are your thoughts, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, when you really when you really think about it, uh, nothing really much has changed in the league this past year. Uh, teams with that passing style of offense, uh, uh, with the leaders, and who has the most touchdowns compared to uh, interceptions, and the offense is either going to be a short game, it's going to be a, a balanced game, uh, but for the Browns, it's a power offense and. Other teams use this West Coast style where uh, excellent that you brought that up, Jeff. It's that uh, example 
with Herbert. But Herbert, they would just keep going for it. And, uh, you know, Stefanski had uh, that mindset, especially early on in the season. Uh, and the thing, uh, another thing that really stood out on the side now, what I'm thinking about the Browns now is a couple of those, the media would absolutely go after him because he uh, went forward in a situation and then a kick in. And then in the second half of the season, he would do kicking in those opportunities. The kicker would miss it. Uh, that's his only job being on the team. He, he <laughs> misses the damn field goal. And they're like, well, why did he go for it? It's like, oh, how about you shut up? We have more problems right now. It's like, geez, oh, man. <laughs> Can we just have some positivity for Pete's sake? My God. <laughs> oh, why does he keep going for? Oh, they kicked it. Oh, why don't they go for it? It's like, oh, you, you guys and the clickbait and stuff, you know. Oh, sorry, I had to, I had to just let that out there. Uh, I'm trying not to have this. <laughs> I go, I go in and out with my rogue. The more uh, Guinness I have, and then the more I come to and get passionate about my Browns, I go back to my Americanism. So we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there, boys. We're gonna be okay. Uh, but yeah, I think I I I really think that um, when you look at it, uh, the players that throw interceptions. I mean, uh, the guy who stole the uh, crab legs, uh, he had that one year thirty touchdowns and thirty three interceptions. Uh, Javis Winston, you know, uh, mm-hmm. with Tampa Bay, with that that piece of garbage. Todd Munkin is the offensive coordinator, and now he's in college, you know, because he can't show his face in the NFL because he said, oh, I, I didn't even call plays. I wasn't a part of it. Yeah, but your offensive coordinator, can you can you plan out some plays? For God's sakes. Oh, that Munkin. Did you cash your paychecks? Oh. <laughs> well, well, Freddie's calling the plays. Why are you here? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's – for Q, it's it's definitely you can't you can't turn the ball over in the game of football. Uh, now turnover on downs uh, and two point conversions. They've been doing a lot of this uh, PPR that I'm a big fan of, and uh, with the percentages and stuff, uh, I think we saw, especially earlier on in the year, that it is it is more it's a better choice to actually go for it in certain situations. Uh, I know that an article came out earlier in the year, the Cleveland Browns that. Um, they were the number one ranked as a staff and efficiency. And uh, like you see, starting off, we're not even in the offseason yet. And we have executives and coaching staff members going to different teams right now. Yeah. I, think, I think they other teams notice that despite how our, uh, our offense actually, how our offense ended up playing this year. Um, but, you know, you can't, you can't be, there's, you're not going to have, you're not going to, I mean, there's, I mean, if ugh, it's hard to explain because, you know, Baker, Baker, when he was good last year, he, he had those, he had those moments where he appeared to be a Brett Favre type yeah. of player. And you can win, you can win with a Brett Favre and you can win for a long time with a Brett Favre type of player. Yeah. But what you, what you got to have, you also have to have a little bit of help and uh, you really got to switch. I mean, can't keep running that damn ball. When you don't have people that can uh, a block for a really talented kid who uh, we took a chance on, who had his knee look like he stepped on a landmine playing at uh, Georgia, his knee exploded, and he's become a fan favorite. And uh, I mean, 
It's like, well, why don't they run it more? He only he had 12 attempts, but he's averaging five yards. It's like, oh, should we just let's do 40 runs and let's get this guy hurt? You know, it's like, what would you like this staff to? How about you call the plays? How about you show <laughs> me? You know, it's like, oh God. And he's like, I'd rather stand play for 10 years. Exactly. Exactly. Me too. A hundred percent. And um, but the point I was making is that these quarterbacks are pocket quarterbacks. Uh, they don't need the bootleg or the play action. They can just sit there and they can dump it because they have the options to go to. Uh, from what from the question you asked before, they have more than whatever the called play is. They make the reads. They have okay, not him, not him. Oh, I got my drop down still, and he's definitely open. And they know when to hold on to it and take a sack, like Mr. Burrow, who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl. And I know you said. Uh, this is the last segment and we're running out of time, but it could work both ways is the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so guys, we, we have to give some predictions for the Super Bowl. I yes. don't know why, but we, but we will. So um, I'm going to go first. Um, okay. I'm going to be completely honest, guys. You know, I see this. I see this game, and it's like, well, you know, it's the Bengals. I don't really want to root for the Bengals, but I've got friends who are Bengals fans, so it's not going to kill me if the Bengals win because I'll be happy for some people. Um, and and the uh, the Rams, if the Rams win, you know, it, it's OBJ, but who cares? You know, I, Stafford and Cooper Cup and and some of these other guys, but they're they're quality players, you know. So and I'm not going to hate that either. So um, I, I kind of want to see a good game. Um, don't really have a rooting interest is kind of how I see it, even though, uh, you know, a lot of people in this area are rooting for the Bengals. But um, for me, I just want to see a good game. Uh, my score prediction is uh, I, I think it's going to be a tight game, which which isn't how Super Bowls usually go. But <laughs> I'm going to predict it anyways. I, I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, Rams 27, 24. And I think. Uh, I think they're going to uh, score a touchdown to to go up 27-24, and uh, you know it's going to be uh, you know it's going to be Cooper Cup receiving that uh, touchdown within probably the last minute or two of the game. So 27-24 um, Rams and uh, Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, you know it's it's interesting looking at this game. Uh, uh, I I I for one am not one of the people. In the area that will be uh, rooting on these Bengals, uh, I know they got. A, I know they got. Technically, you could say four Buckeyes on the team, but let's let's just say the uh, or five Buckeyes. But let's just go with the four. Uh, I've always loved Ohio State. Uh, my family, uh, a lot of them went there and stuff. But you know, uh, Cincinnati is more of a. Uh, they're more Kentucky than they are Ohio. And, in my eyes, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> then, then at least growing up, that that was the same. And uh, across other sports, there, I mean, for Cleveland, they they've always, you know, the Reds, Battle of Ohio. Uh, it's been enough trash talk, and we don't need another one of our division rivals to win it all. We have already had the Ravens and uh, and the Steelers win it, so. Uh, but actually, looking at it, the spread's 48 and a half, and I'm taking the under. I'm going to say that uh, the L.A. Rams are going to pull it off and win 24 to 20, and I think the key to this game is going to be 
uh, whoever wins the turnover battle. And when I say that, it's not just interceptions and fumbles. It's going to be who loses those key moments. They can't get that first down. The turnover on downs I'm accounting ah, for. Mm-hmm. Who can't convert in those? When do you punt? When do you? Because the Bengals, I think they they definitely their kicker has their kicker has two field goals in him easily. But I I really think that the uh, Rams are going to be up early and be able to maintain that. So I have the Rams winning 24 to 20 and the spreads. Uh, they're giving LA four and a half. So four and a half. Uh, so yeah. So I we we both I'm got the Bengals winning. You know, with the points. I got the Rams. I have the Rams, twenty-four to twenty. Yeah, but if you give if you uh, against the spread, we're both picking the Bengals. So uh, yep. uh, you're I've taking never... the under. I'm taking the. I'm. I uh, pretty much intentionally took the over. Um, Jeff, I know which way you're going on the over under <laughs> at forty and a half. Um, what's your What's your score prediction? Well, um, I think experience is going to be the determining factor in the Super Bowl. The Rams have it. The Bengals don't. Um, the Rams are going to jump out to a big lead and the, the Bengals are going to try to play catch up, but I think they're going to run out of their magic pixie dust that's taken them this far. Um, and the Rams are going to win by nine. It's going to be 36 to 27 Rams. Um, and it really won't be that close. I can see that. I can see that. Well, I mean, you know, most Super Bowls, uh, you know, most Super Bowls, I don't think, end up being that close. At least not recently, right. have they? So, uh, no. so it's probably a more realistic score prediction, you know. So, uh, so we'll see. But uh, I'm sure the league would love to see a close game, like you guys predicted. I, I don't know that this has got the makeup for that. It's probably not going to happen. Um, so oh. we're all taking the Rams. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll see looks, what happens. Looks, so. looks like gold, Cleveland, Ohio, and the uh, sons of the Lake Erie, uh, these three guys are not big fans of the Bengals. <laughs> I tried to be objective. You know, I, I picked against the Bengals the last couple of weeks. I picked them to win their first playoff game, I think. But, uh, you well, know, that's kind of, the way that, it, kind of the way it works on this podcast is that, you know, when we're, when we're in agreement that something's going to happen one way, it generally happens the other way. Yeah, yeah. So Bengals have a pretty good shot now. I would say. <laughs> I would say. Oh, believe believe me, my regular season, I was fantastic at picking games. It was great. I'd be like, "What would screw the Browns over the most?" And throughout picking all the games throughout the year, I I was in the uh, uh, second top tier of the uh, ESPN uh, uh, pick'em games. And then when the playoffs came around, uh, this past round of the round before, I had one win. So. Uh, yeah, so it looks like the, <laughs> congratulations to the Bengals and uh, and yeah. celebrate and don't burn the city down. Yeah, Kevin, I put I put tweets out for a couple of rounds of the playoffs and yeah, I was wrong on almost every game. So yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty tough. Yeah, it was tough going. You know, it made mm-hmm. the the picks made sense to me, but yeah, they were they were tough to pick this year. So so anyways, guys. So uh, so this has been great. So I want to. Uh, um, give you guys a chance for some closing words. Uh, Kevin, uh, everybody can follow you at Big Kevin Sports. And I'm going to give you a chance to to uh, to uh, give a shout out for anything else um, that you'd like to at this point, too. And, and any closing words you'd like to leave everybody with? Sure. 
Uh, thank you. And uh, thank you both for having me on. It was uh, definitely a privilege and uh, a great honor. I've been a fan of both of yours for a while now, and uh, we've obviously been friends. Uh, it was it was great to be on. And, you know, at moments I get a little excited, but uh, <laughs> it, I mean, that, I, I had a blast with you guys. And uh, for me, you could search Kevin McAndrews and uh, it's all Big Kevin Sports. Uh, uh, username at Big Kevin Sports. You can also find anywhere on social media. It's it's Big Kev at Big Kevin Sports, and uh, uh, that's across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, pretty much what I'm doing is just getting connected with um, these Cleveland Browns local podcasts and supporting them and uh, trying to build up their uh, they're building up the fans, get the viewership up, and uh, really spread uh, this Browns backers more of what the Browns fan base should be, which is we're all in this together, not necessarily what Browns Twitter is like sometimes with the experts, but it's more of like a uh, sense of, hey, we all talk about the Browns. We're not these ESPN guys who say something controversial and then people tune in the next day to – for the old radio trick, you know, it's just, we're all, we're all just passionate fans. We're all Browns yeah. backers. We're all, we all yeah. love this team and we wouldn't have it any other way. So yeah. Thank you so much for having me on big Kevin sports across all platforms. And, uh, uh, I look forward to us uh, getting together again. Sounds great, Kevin. We appreciate it. Uh, Jeff, any closing words? Uh, I'm, I just have one question, Rod. Um, so how many how many podcasts do I need to do to score some free salsa? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, it, you know, I, I guess I could probably put you on the Twitter account, um, you know, but, <laughs> you know, when somebody contacts us, so I'm going to give them my address, right. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I've still got some left, you know, left over. So if you want to stop over, by you know, by all, right. all means. Pity salsa. And, uh, no, I mean it. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> when I say it's good, I'm not just saying that to be nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. definitely going to check him out. That's that. I mean, that sounds great. Yeah, I mean it's it's um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like uh, you know, it's got heat to it, but it's like it's like uh, it, it it's a good heat, you know. Um, and and I'm not somebody who likes super super hot stuff, but it was just it was just really good. But yeah. Great. Cool. All right. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, guys. Uh, this this has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>